Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. Raise your hands, declare it, shout, and praise God. Amen. Thanks, worship team. Makes it a whole lot easier to minister when you guys are helping out with the music. I've been wanting to teach about this for a while. I think I've shared it with Jesus. I've definitely have commented with Carly. Back in the ancient times, the Roman Catholic Church put out a list called the Seven Deadly Sins. It's a very well-known list, and to this day, a lot of people make reference to that. What the Roman Catholic Church believed back then was that these sins were deadly. They were unforgivable. Now, we know that sins are forgiven by Jesus, amen? Even the ones that are mentioned here in the list. But if you read Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19, you see that King Solomon, he spoke about things that God hates, things that are abominable before the eyes of God. It says, these six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. So a lot of people say that that's where the list came from. And he starts saying a proud look. God doesn't like proud people. Amen. Tell the person next to me he likes the humble. Right. He exalts the humble. He doesn't like a lying tongue. Don't look anywhere now. All right. Just in case. Hands that shed innocent blood. That's the third one. Then 18, a heart that devises wicked plans. Number five, feet that are swift in running to evil. When you're quick to run to evil. Six, a false witness who speaks lies. And seven, and one who sows discord among brethren. So this is Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. Among these seven deadly sins, I want to talk to you about envy. We don't talk a lot about envy. Am I right? I can't remember the last time I heard a sermon on envy. So I want you to pay attention because uh, you're probably saying, well, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I should just go ahead and make it a Netflix night and leave JTB Church right now. <laughs> but trust me, just stay there because it's important. And there are two reasons why it's an important sermon. First of all, envy is the sin that no one talks about. Not a lot of people talk about envy. A lot of people boast about their sins, but envy is one that not a lot of Christians admit. We have people that pridefully brag about their accomplishments, right? Oh, I did this. They show off their new possessions. We have people that, you know, they love to boast on social media. Look, what, look where I took my wife for vacation. <laughs> we have people that love to make jokes about their procrastination, the fact that they always put off things. Men will tell stories about their lust, talking about people that don't know God, obviously. Entertainers and pro athletes, you guys hear the news, they brag about their license with women on the road. People aren't shy about gluttony either. But envy, you don't hear a lot about people confessing envy. Because envy is masked in the secret fibers of your being, right where Satan wants it. In secret, where nobody knows about it except you. The second reason why it's an important sermon or an important topic to talk about envy is because envy is probably the most vicious or destructive sin from the list of the seven. Yoda in the Star Wars movies once said, envy leads to jealousy. I can't do his voice. (laughs) Jealousy leads to hate. Hate leads to anger. Anger leads to the dark side. (laughs) Now, write this down. Write this down. This is important. Envy says this. I like what I have. I have what I like. 
but I like what you have more. And let's talk a little bit about its origin. Let's talk a little bit about how envy started. Where did it start? Well, envy was first found in Lucifer. The Bible talks to us that he coveted God's worship. He saw all the angels and all of creation, all of the celestial creation, all the things, the amazing things that we've never seen up in heaven that happens on a daily basis. He saw everything worshiping God, their creator. And when he saw that, he's like, man, I'd love to be worshiped like that. Instead of understanding that his purpose and his role was to worship the one, he wanted to be the one to be worshiped. When he started coveting God's worship, this fueled his pride. It caused him to go rogue. And in turn, he led others to follow his rebellion. You guys know, he brought down a third of all the angels in heaven. If there was evidence of envy in heaven, imagine how much more evidence of envy do we have here with so much sin. And the Bible says that because of his envy, he got kicked out of heaven. Now fast forward a little bit. In the Garden of Eden, we see Satan envious again. This is take two. He's envious again, but this time he's not envious of God. He's envious of Adam and Eve that were created in God's image and likeness. And the Bible says about Lucifer that he was created beautiful. He was the utmost creation of God. But then he got kicked out of heaven because he wanted to be like God. And God had a desire to share. And he made man. That's why he loves you so much. God is a relational God. And when Satan saw that God's heart poured over Adam and Eve and that he would walk with them in the garden, he became envious again. One generation later, it was envy that caused Cain to murder his brother Abel. It was envious that God liked his offering more than the one he brought. Today is no different. As envy is present in stories that we hear about abuse, about theft, about divorce, murder, rape, and the list goes on. We could talk all day about all the stories we've heard. What is sad is that even in godly people, if you're not careful, envy can harden your heart towards God. If you're an envious person, it can harden your heart towards God and towards people. So let me get a little bit personal. You guys give me permission? Since we're in family again. I want to ask you this. Can you live with someone less perfect than you? Being blessed before you or more than you? How would you feel if there's a person that messes up more than you? Has been in church less than you? Has done less of the right things than you? And God blesses them before you. And God lifts them up. Will you be okay? Are you good with that? Because if you are, you have a heart that's okay. If you have a problem with that, then you have to examine your heart because that's not right. And God sometimes tests us. You know, there's so many things that we can envy. You can envy someone's talent on how he plays an instrument or how the person speaks, the charisma that they have to do a certain thing or a certain job. You can envy someone's house, someone's possession, a car. You can envy somebody's relationship. I know people that envy other people's girlfriend. I know people that envy other people's wives and husbands. Positions, people that envy positions. Why did they give her the promotion? If I've been praying for it and this other person doesn't even know God, be careful. 
that you don't open your heart to envy because you could be doing all the right things until you got to that point. I like something Gene White had said. Resentment is rooted in pride. And together, they give birth to envy. Resentment, the root of resentment is pride. When you're prideful, you got to be careful. You got to surrender your pride to God. You got to make sure, even when you start seeing hints, before it gets to the point where the root is pretty. I don't know how many of you guys saw some of the trees that fell from Hurricane Irma. I got one in my backyard. It fell right on the fence, broke the fence, and I cut the tree up. I got some landscapers to cut it up and take it outside. But I got this huge root system. It's like from the floor to here. Okay, what do I do with the root now? I don't know what to do. Once something is rooted, it's hard to bring it down. You just need a hurricane, a Jesus hurricane to come and unroot it. And he can. And he can. But the last thing you want to do is let your pride become so rooted that it births envy, like this man says. The fastest road to misery and unhappiness, if that's your goal, if you want to get to unhappiness, the fastest, envy people. Envy can start with a little worry. We're going to go to the Word of God in just a bit. Tell the person next to you, be careful what you worry about. Envy can start just by worrying about something, worried about your future, worried about your money, worried about what's going to happen with this situation. Oh my gosh. And now Trump says, you know, with the whole DACA, he's going to deport all these people and, and I'm on the list and what's going to happen and they're going to deport me and I don't even know my parents' country. And you can have so many fears in your heart about what's going to happen and that worry can lead you down the wrong path. Look what Matthew 6.25 says. And if this tugs at your heart or if God in some way speaks to you, just open your heart. It says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about life. Tell the person next to you. I know that's a broad comment, but God meant it when he said it. Tell the person next to you, don't worry about anything that has to do with life. Life, how broad is that? Anything that has to do with life, don't worry about it. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about your future. Don't worry. God is with you. God is on your side. He's got you. As long as you're good with him, you have everything that you're going to need. He's going to take care of you. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And then it asks the question, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? When you start to worry, when you don't obey this verse, and you're the type of person that can worry about my future, how am I going to overcome this? Worry then puts you on a path to take matters into your own hands. You start to develop plans. You start to say, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I don't want this to happen to me. I don't want to go down this route. I don't want, and you start generating plans. You start becoming anxious. Your priorities start shifting because maybe your priority was to trust in God. But trial number one came and you stayed and you persevered and you stayed trusting in God. But trial number two came and you started seeing all your friends getting boyfriends and now you're all alone. And you're like, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And you start pushing God, your service, your commitment to God to the side, and you want to devise your plans. You stop trusting God. Your priorities shift. And before you realize it, you're running in the wrong direction with a debased mind that makes you look at spiritual things like they're a waste of time. The Bible talks in Ephesians about a debased mind that because people didn't honor God, 
and didn't stay put and trust God in the midst of adversity, God delivered them to a debased mind. What happens when you have a debased mind? You start seeing things that are really important, like a waste of time. Deviates, forward movement, coming to church to serve. I'll come to church once in a while on Sunday. I'll, I'll do this, but serving, but getting involved, but talking to people about Jesus, bringing people to church, ah, that's for the evangelist. And then you start seeing spiritual things like a waste of time because you're too busy solving your worries. You got too many of them. You got too many worries. You got to make sure that you go to school, that you get your, I don't have a problem with all those things. As long as you have your priorities well set and well put and Jesus is first in your life. But what do worries do? They try to strip you from your relationship to God and make you proactive in trying to solve them your own way. And they lead you down path of self-destruction. Go with me. Let's read this together. Romans chapter 1, verse 28 to 32. I said Ephesians. It's Romans. This is the passage of the debased mind. It says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Look at the words that it's using, retaining. So it's talking about a person that comes to church, knows the word, but they just decided one day out of the blue for whatever reason, because of worry or because whatever, you know what, I'm not going to retain this knowledge. This that I hear from church, I have my own way. I have my own way of seeing things. You need to retain him. Tell the person next to you, you need to retain God. You need to retain the knowledge that you receive in church. As long as people in this altar from this pulpit in JTP church, in the Spanish services, as long as they're preaching sound doctrine, which is Bible-based, You got to make sure you're aligned to it. You need to retain these things. This is knowledge that's going to do you good. Yeah, I'm going through stuff. I may be worried, but I know what to do with worry. I cast it at God's feet. I trust them. And I know that all these things, if I put the kingdom first, I know that all these things will be added on. Can we give God praise? I know I am preaching today. I'm teaching. But let's take a little break and give God honor. So it says, because these people did not retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. So when we have a debased mind, when we say, God, not your knowledge, I'm going to do this my way. It's not that God has a special privilege or certain things that he gives to some people. When you make the decision to say, I'm not going to retain God's knowledge, you are withdrawing yourself from what God wants to do. And because of that, You're toned over to a debased mind. And it says being filled with all unrighteousness. That's how we fall into sexual immorality. That's how we fall into wickedness. I'm reading right here in Romans 1, 29, for those that are following me. Covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy. Murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are all whisperers backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, un, all the uns, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God. Notice, these aren't people that have never read the word of God. It says, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do they... Do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. When we start saying, you know what, with this worry, I think I'm going to handle this. I'm not going to turn it over to God. I, I can handle this. And what I got to do is this. And I got to make more money. 
even if that means not serving God anymore, even if that means disconnecting myself from God's calling. I'll go to church when it's convenient, and you don't realize that you're opening your heart to be turned over to a debased mind. Tell the person next to you, that's dangerous. So what can envy do? Well, envy can produce three types of reactions in people. It could make people want to bring you to submission. It tries to put you down when you envy. Person, you want to put the other person down. The three reactions are submission, ambition. Generates this greater ambition because you were good. You were fine. You were blessed. Thank you, God, for everything I have. I may not have as much as other people, but I'm blessed. I have a family. But the minute you saw your next-door neighbor get something that you didn't have, oh, that car in the driveway or that house, that girlfriend. And it could be so many things, right? That altered your state of being. And now you're not content. You want something else. You want what the other person has. That's ambition. And the third type of reaction that envy produces is destruction. How do people destroy others when they're envious? Gossip. They generate lies. And we were just reading right here. It says, whispers evil-mindedness, inventors of evil things, right? Isn't that crazy? How many of you guys have ever had a coworker that hated you or that envied you because the grace of God is upon you and they tried to tell on you so that you could get fired, right? Raise your hand, ever, right? It happens, it happens. They just, and, and they're envious, inventors, and they start creating this whole story that is wrong and it's not even true. The last thing we want to do is fall into one of these traps. Because of envy, the Jews crucified Jesus. Go with me to Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to read from verse 15 all the way to 26. We're going to read the whole passage. Matthew 27, verse 15 to 26. It says this, Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. So once a year, during this specific feast, the governor will come out to all the people and say, okay, out of all the prisoners that we have in jail, which ones do you guys want that I release? And whatever the people said, they would release them. And at that time, they had a very notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, who do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. Why did they hand Jesus over? The religious leaders. Who handed Jesus over? The Jews. The same people that Jesus came to deliver. Isn't it funny that sometimes it's the closest people to you sometimes, the ones that end up hating you or backstabbing you. It doesn't happen here in JTP Church, I know. <laughs> but in other faraway lands. <laughs> There's people that are close to you and something happens along the way that they start envying. Starting from John the Baptist, these people, religious leaders, that they were hypocrites. The Bible calls them that. That's what they were. They were hypocrites because they would tell people what they had to do, but they wouldn't do it themselves. That's the definition of a hypocrite. You guys got to fast. You guys got to do this. And they wouldn't do any of that. And then they started seeing that this guy in the desert called John the Baptist was preaching. He was clothed with skins of animals and he would eat grasshoppers for lunch. This guy was a weird guy. This guy wasn't 
you know, your cool preacher, you know, that's on Instagram. And this, this guy was in the desert. He was weird. And his only message, he would only preach one sermon. And the only sermon that he would preach is repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. And if you're not right, God's going to do away. It wasn't a loving, encouraging message. Rep get your act straight with God. Turn your life around. Get your act straight with God. But he was anointed. You see, that's why you should always seek the anointing of God above charisma. Praise God if you have talents and giftings, but it's the anointing that makes a difference. And the Bible says that all the people, instead of filling the synagogues where all these religious hypocrites were, they were running to the desert to listen to John the Baptist. And he'd have huge gatherings. And it started with John, but then it continued with Jesus. And wherever Jesus was, multitudes would follow because Jesus had a heart for the people, just like the apostles said today, the people that were hurting. We, as the church of Jesus Christ, we have to have a heart for the people that are hurting. Hurting physically, hurting on the inside, hurting because they just lost a loved one. We live in a world that's hurting. And just because the United States is a prosperous nation doesn't mean that people aren't in pain. Because money does not solve all the problems. So these people were leaving the temple. And of course, these religious leaders said, you know, all these fifi people, right? <laughs> This guy, he doesn't even have clothes. He eats grasshoppers. That's who we're competing. Look at the synagogue that we just built. But it was empty and all the people would leave. So they started having envy. And we read here, because of that envy, they ended up wanting to crucify Jesus. They handed him over because of envy. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, talking about Pilate now, his wife sent him saying, look what his wife said. This is Pontius Pilate's wife. She said, have nothing to do with that just man. For I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders, all these religious people, right? All these elders, all these hypocrites, persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Now, Barabbas was a thief. Barabbas, this guy was bad. But that's who they wanted to release on this day. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. And Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? And they all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, let him be crucified. This was like a chant. This was like a chant. He started getting afraid that these people were going to take over. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather than a tumult was rising, he took water, he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, this is deep, his blood be on us and on our children. Speaking about the decision to crucify Jesus. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Isn't it funny that the most religious people were the blindest people of all? Isn't it crazy? And you could get so religious, even in church, that you don't see the needs of other people, and you're so busy fighting with the people around you and envying what other position and who the apostle put and who was promoted and who got this HOB and who... 
that you don't realize that God has a call for you and that you're <laughs> ending up doing the same thing that the Pharisees did to Jesus. Oh, wait, it wasn't just Jesus. Because of envy, the patriarchs sold Joseph, their brother. Acts 7, 9 and 10, it says, And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him. That's why if there's people that envy you, just grab a hold of Jesus. Don't pay attention to that. You know, some people get worked up and they're like, my gosh, man, but why? You know what? Don't carry that burden. If people envy you, give it to God. And we're going to read now what God does to the people that envy you. So we'll read it in just a moment. Don't let that strip you away or push you away from the calling that God has and where God has positioned you in the kingdom. They sold Joseph, his own family. How many of you would be disappointed if your own brother or sister <laughs> sold you as a slave and sent you to Africa? Yeah, it was the other way around. But imagine. Well, that's what they did to Joseph, his own brothers. First, they wanted to kill him. Then they sold him as a slave and they sent him to Egypt. You never see that he complained. He had a dream in his heart. You see, it doesn't matter if people envy you, if people try to do you wrong, even in church. Man, you know, there's a lot of people that look like angels in church, but, you know, they're work in progress. We all need the grace of God. <laughs> but unfortunately, it happens even in church that people do you wrong. They may have had a bad day that day. They didn't pray. They forgot to read their Bible, and, and they just answered you wrong. You know, it doesn't mean they're going to hell and they're the devil. But, you know, you got to guard your heart. Because you could say, you know what, there's no love in this church. Man, you are part of the church. You're not saying there's no love. You ain't got no love either because you are part of the church. But it's just that sometimes we allow ourselves to become so religious. The own brothers sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. Come on, put your hand on the person that's on your left and on your right and tell them God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. Tell them. So close your mouth. Make sure you don't gossip. Never talk to other people about the wrong that other people do. If you want to get it off your chest, go to a pastor. Go to your leader. But don't tell the people that are at the same level or under you what other people do because that's gossip. The right thing to do, go to a pastor. Look, I feel bad because this happened. What should I do? And pastors will lead you. Otherwise, you're just gossiping. Oh, no, I just told them so we could pray. Yeah, right. Sure. I've been in church way too long. So they delivered him. God was with Joseph. And he delivered him out of all his troubles. And gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Isn't that crazy that his own family, because of envy, sold him as a slave. He started on the bottom as a slave and he became the second to the king. Because God's favor was with him. And because he never let envious people steal his purpose and his dream. Amen. Don't ever let other people do you wrong. Get to your head. You know, don't question God because of it. I don't know why the guy went rogue. I don't know why they did that. But you know, just stand faithful to God. Don't lose focus of what God called you and where you are in this season in your life. And what God is calling you to do. And you'll see the same result that Joseph experienced in your life. Amen. When you walk away from humility and become proud, it leads to envy. Galatians 5.26 says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. 
could preachers be envious too? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3 and 5. Look what it says here. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. Unfortunately, even in the kingdom, there's people that they love to, you know, find something that's not even in the Bible. They want to add to the Bible to give people something new so people can say, oh, wow, what a revelation. No, it wasn't a revelation. You withdrew from the truth. You added from the truth. And the word, as we read here, is wholesome. Why do people do that? Because sometimes people, they just want the applause of people. And the Bible says, from those, withdraw yourself. So there could be envy in preachers too. It's very difficult to cure an envious heart because of how fast and subtle we try to cover it up. That's the thing about envy. We don't preach about it a lot. And it's so easy to cover it up. It's so easy to justify your actions or even dismiss it for something else. The best cure for envy is filling your life with everything that is the total opposite of envy. This is the cure. It's not going to come with me laying my hand on your head and God doing something. This has to come from you. That's why I said I'm going to do the calling at the beginning. This is something that we have to do. It's something that I have to decide whether I'm going to mess with being envious or I'm going to, every time I see an opportunity to be envious, turn around and go the other way. The best cure for envy, if you're starting to see certain times in your life where envy is trying to stir up and somebody gets something and you start looking down and saying, why him and not me? And if you start seeing that you got to make sure and now's the moment to fill your life with humility, with kindness and with contentment. Write these three things down because this is what's going to counter that envy and set you free. Humility, it's kindness and contentment. I love something that C.S. Lewis said. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And humility is one of these counter effects on envy. It's like an opposite to envy. If you're humble, you're not going to be envious. If you're humble, you see somebody being promoted and being blessed by God. And you say, I love this. I'm so happy for you. Genuinely. Because there's some people that say, oh, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> and they're killing you with their sight, right? Oh, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> but humility is it's an open heart and they're transparent. Carly and I were talking about a specific person. I'm not going to mention their name. But we love this person because every time they come and they speak here or the apostle puts them to ask for testimonies or to do something, this person, probably not the greatest of speakers, but when they go and they stand, they're like transparent. And it's like they give out this transparency that you're like, my gosh, this person is so wholesome, so transparent. It's the anointing of God. And we were talking about it actually recently. And we're like, that's what the anointing of God does when you're humble, 
when you're not seeking power, you're not seeking the applause of people, there's nothing more amazing than a musician that's anointed by God, talented in their craft, making sure that you always hit the last note of the song, which is the most important note, right, Juan? But aside from being an excellent craftsman at your craft or at your music, that you're anointed by the Holy Spirit. Because the same way somebody could from the bottom look wholesome and anointed and you know that person's a person of God while they're holding a mic, the same could be said by somebody that's singing or somebody that's playing or somebody that's sweeping or somebody that's vacuuming or somebody that's doing the audio. It's a person that loves God. It's a humble person. So tell the person next to you, fill yourself with humility. Humility, kindness, and contentment. It's time to turn it around. And if you are one of these people that sometimes you feel prone and, and there's like envy as a spirit, something tries to get a hold of you. And if you open your heart and if you've been feeling lately that certain things that happen to other people affect you in a negative way, it's time to turn it around. And it's as easy as a decision. It's just a decision. 1 Peter 2, verse 1 and 2. If you can put it on the screens, I want everybody to see this. And if you have your Bible, go with me so you can underline it. It's important. The Bible says this, and he tells us here in JTP Church today. Therefore, laying aside all malice. Everybody know what malice is? First three letters there. Mal, right? <laughs> Bad. It's not good. Malice, everything that's bad, all deceit, hypocrisy, and there's that word again, envy, all evil speaking. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So it's a decision. It's saying, therefore, laying aside, lay aside. Tell the person next to you, you got to lay it aside. Jesus is not going to come in your room and say, okay, give me envy, I'll take it, put it in his pocket and leave. You have to lay it aside. And it goes on to say how. Start desiring, just like a new baby. A new baby needs his milk. He needs his milk. And every two hours, you have to wake up and they want their milk. They have to eat. They eat small portions, but very often, the Bible says, just like a new baby, you desire the pure milk. Make sure it's pure. That's why you got to go straight to the source. A lot of you, you just go by what other preachers say and what you hear in the radio. It's good to listen to the word of God, but make sure you go to the source. Because it's never going to happen. But let's say one day, Pastor Jonathan Aguero starts preaching something that's not in the word of God. How can you disprove me if you don't know the word of God? You could just say, amen, preacher. <laughs> And you don't even know that what I'm saying is not in the word of God. So you got to know it for yourself. You have to know it for yourself. Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. How many of you guys want to grow? Amen. Amen. Just like babies grow, God wants you to grow spiritually. He doesn't want you stagnant. Envy is one of those things that not only stagnates your spiritual life, but it starts bringing you down. Instead, let me talk about the second thing. Be content. Tell the person next to you, you got to be content. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. 
Apostle Paul reached this level, and I think that every single one of us needs to reach this level. Amen? Not that I speak in regards to need, for I have learned. You see, this is something that you learn. It's something that experience teaches you, and, and sometimes you need to tell yourself, I can't be like this. I can't. This, how did I get like this, that I'm envying somebody? I'm, I'm feeling uneasy because God blessed someone. That's not right. I got to do something about this. I got to walk away. How do I walk away? I got to humble myself. Start seeking God more. Start coming to start reading the Bible more. Start connecting with God. Loving. Start doing people. Start serving your community. Start serving people in church. Start. Get involved if you're not involved. Humble yourself. And you'll see with humility, you counter envy. And now it's talking about being content. For Paul says, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. In whatever state that I am, I'm cool. If I just got a huge bonus at work, praise God. I'm happy. I'm blessed. If something happened and I got laid off, I'm blessed. I don't know why it happened, but God is in control. I'll be out looking for work on Monday, and I know God's going to open doors, but I'm not going to let that get me depressed. Oh, I'm not going to come to church because I just lost my job. You know, I have learned that nothing is going to change me. God is God no matter what happens. He will always be God. He will always be by my side. His promises are true. And if I believe it, no wrong is going to happen to me. God is actually going to use what people plan for my evil for my good. So whatever state I am, I've learned to be content. And he says, I know how to be abased, satisfied. Everybody say satisfied. And I know how to abound. I know how to abound. It's like there's a switch in him that no matter whether I have money or not, whether people are doing me good or people are doing me wrong, and you know that Paul was done wrong <laughs> by a lot. But he had a switch that whenever people did him wrong, pff, that's it. I'm on, I abound, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. That's why he could sing, Silas, remember, and Paul, singing praises to God after they were whipped and in jail. Midnight, why? I've learned, I, he flipped the switch. Everywhere, everybody say everywhere. And everybody say, and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes we take that text out of context. But no matter where you are today, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen? Even if you are being bullied by envy today. Even if you are sitting here and saying, wow, you know, God just finished unmasking me. And going deep into my heart to something that was really tugging at myself. And I, I didn't even think it was an issue. But now, if you deliver it, if you come and bring it to God, God can set you free and make you a humble person, get you back on path, and make you content. This was coming from a guy that was assaulted, beaten, threatened, imprisoned many times because of his faith. So it's not that he never went through issues. He went through more issues than all of us put together. But he learned. Tell the person next to you what's important is that you learn. Be content. Be content. Look what Psalms 37.1.4 says. And this is where a lot of people fall and become discontent. It says, don't fret 
because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. You know, sometimes people see people that don't even do right before God, that steal, that do things that are up to no good. And you see them prosper and drive the best cars and yachts and they live in beautiful homes. And you're like, why? And I'm serving God and I'm here barely getting by. You know, if you're not careful, that discontent could turn into envy. You say, why? Why are these people like this? I don't know if I mentioned this, but I heard someone say, I think it was a famous basketball player. One of his houses here in South Beach got robbed and he had one of his championship rings from the Miami Heat stolen. They stole a lot of things from his house. And I heard somebody say, with all the money that they have, who cares? Like, I care. And I'm like, man, if your heart's right, I don't care how much money somebody has. You're not going to desire bad things to happen to anyone. You have to make sure your heart is right because otherwise you can have problems down the road. So he's saying, look, don't fret because of evildoers. Don't fret. Don't pay attention to people that are up to no good, that you see them today, and then you see them, wow, with this, all these riches and stuff like that. Because God says this, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass. It's not going to last. What lasts is when you do things the right way. It's going to take longer, but if you're a person a young man, a young lady of integrity, if you serve God in due time, God's going to promote you. God's going to bless you. And when you're up there, you're going to stay up there. I'd rather take more time to get to the top than get to the top fast and be cut down faster than what I got to the top. So that's what it's saying here. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. This is a psalmist telling people, they're like, where's God in my situation, man? Look, all these people are doing wrong and they have everything. You know what? Sometimes you think they have everything, but they're more miserable than what you think. Because they have all, a lot of things that you probably need, but the things that you do have, they don't have. Peace, family, and we don't realize that. But God says to us, trust in the Lord and do good. Don't envy don't wish for God to punish them. You know, those prayers don't work. God, punish them, the evil. Give me everything that they're doing the wrong way. Father, I'm serving you. No, don't. Bless them. Bless them. Just make sure your heart is in the right place. Amen? And know how to abound in everything. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. When you see people prospering, and you're still pelando cables, like Apostle Raul Avila says, you're still barely getting by, and you're like struggling, and you're working, and you're, you're serving, and you're doing all these things. And, and it's, for some people, it's so easy, and you're, you have to work twice, and you still get to church, and God says, continue doing good. Continue doing good, because... If you delight yourself in the Lord, he shall give you the desires of your heart. I love it because it doesn't just say the needs, desires. What are your desires? You know, there's nothing wrong that you see somebody with a nice car and you say, man, that's a nice car. I like to have that car. I like to have that car. I like God to bless me with that car. But if you start letting envy build up and it becomes the disproportionate desire and you start saying, why him and not me if I'm better? I'd serve God more. Why? That's where it starts getting dangerous. 
I want to finish up. If somebody can help me here in the keys, and we'll do a quick prayer, and then I'll turn it over to Jesus. Job 5.2, two, two verses, and we call it a night. It says, for wrath kills a foolish man, and envy slays a simple one. Raise your hand if you want to be slayed. Now, raise your hand if you want to be blessed. Amen. And last but not least, maybe you've had someone envy you. Maybe you've experienced uh, someone that was close to you. All of a sudden, look at you differently. Or maybe people at work, you know, that want to do you wrong. You guys remember the story of Daniel? The Bible says that the other governors, when they saw that Daniel was prosperous, that everything that Daniel would do, God would bless. They wanted to undercut him. So they went and they told the king. They generated this whole plot. King signed this document. All it says is that whoever doesn't pray to you gets thrown in a lion's den. Come on, you are the king. You want everybody to, you know, respect you, right? Well, just sign it. The king, you know, naively, not knowing what they were up to, he signed it. And then they went and they saw Daniel lifting up his hands and praying to God and not to the king. And they went and they told the king, look, we caught Daniel. He wasn't praying to you. He was praying to his God. And then the king loved Daniel, but he already had signed it. So he needed to abide by what he had signed. So because of the envy of these people, Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den. But God was with him. Just like God was with Joseph when he got sold as a slave for this. And he just trusted in God. Didn't we just read that in Psalms? Because sometimes... Sometimes you could say, God, but why I'm serving you and have people even in church do me wrong or look at me wrong or I'm doing everything I can. Why? To all the people that are in leadership right now, I know we got youth leaders and you got to guard your heart because sometimes there is no answer to why. And you'll just break your head at night. You'll spend many sleepless nights trying to think about why. What did I do to this person? Why? And it's just that they open their heart to the enemy one way or another. But you trust in the Lord. Do good. Bless those who curse you. Make sure you go to sleep. You turn it over to God. Get your good night's sleep. And that's exactly what Daniel did. You know what ended up happening? God closed the mouth of the lion. The next day, the king goes and says, Daniel, are you okay? Yes, God covered up the mouth of all the lions. I actually used them as pillows. It's so cool. You want to try it? He's like, no, it's okay. I'll pass. <laughs> Uh, so they got them out, and you know what they ended up doing? They threw all the governors that were plotting and that envied him into the lion's den. Look what it says here as I finish. Isaiah 26, 11. God will take care of those who envy you. Lord, when your hand is lifted up, they will not see it. But they will see and be ashamed for their envy of people. Yes, the fire of your enemies shall devour them. So you can be certain that God has your back. You know, maybe there's people trying to do you wrong at work. Maybe there's people trying to do you wrong, even in your own family. Unfortunate. I know not here in JTP, obviously. But maybe sometimes even in church, you have people that you don't understand why. And it's just that they've allowed themselves to be carried off. And it all probably started just because of a worry. And with that worry, we open our hearts and we open our minds to do things our way we are turned over into a debased mind and that's how we fall into sexual immorality we fall into envy we fall into covetousness we fall into competition we fall into so many things and it's all because we lost focus 
And what I'd love to do today is just through this message, just to be able to encourage you to make sure you make a strong decision. If this is something that's starting to tug in your heart, in whatever way, turn it over to God. Make sure you start to offset it with humility. Get involved. Seek God's presence more because the more fire you got inside of you, you ain't got time for this nonsense. The more fire you get, the, the more content you are, the more thank you, God. I'm so, I'm so blessed to even be breathing today. Tomorrow when you wake up and you got all these problems and this to-do list, that it, oh my gosh, you know what? Thank God that you have strength to get up and do your to-do list because other people are not so fortunate. Thank you, God. You're with me and I'm going to be able to do this and so much more. And you know, when you start walking in humility, you start walking in contentment, you start walking, God is going to make sure that your heart is where it should be. Far from envy, far from pride and open so that God can bless you in due time. Amen. How many of you believe that there's blessings of God on their way for you? Just stick it through. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. If somebody gets blessed before you do, praise God. Celebrate them. Celebrate with them. Take them out and buy them a Coke. <laughs> you know, bless them. Even though they're more blessed, so in somebody that's been blessed by God because that's always a blessing to you. Stand on your feet, please. I want to pray.